obviously you made a right turn because here's the wrong kind of podcast today we're here with sitting in old chairs with ron <laughs> hello ron <laughs> this is old ron glad to be here <laughs> it's old ron there's megan and yancey hi guys Ahoy. and over there where derek normally sits is uh state representative ron bryce how are you i'm good i'm well i'm disappointed about an hour ago i got the message that the governor has vetoed all of our tax cuts and for that that's the third time since i started early last year and uh it's just frustrating, but I'll I'll be in a better mood here in a minute. What's her uh, What's her goal? You think? You know, I mean, isn't government about? At least it should be. Isn't government about doing the most with the least possible thing you can take away from your constituents? It's hard for me not to be sarcastic it's right okay. now. It's okay. You can be sarcastic <laughs> on the wrong kind of podcast. We do that quite okay, often. Okay, I'm the wrong kind of representative. <laughs> uh, the stated reason is. It costs the government too much to give the taxpayers back the money that's in the bank accounts. That, that's the stated. That's some weird reason. ass math. I oh, is this going to get blamed on girl math? What is <laughs> what is the surplus right now that the state of Kansas has? It's pretty sizable, isn't it? It is sizable right now. The excess money in the state accounts in the general fund is about three point six to three point seven billion with a B. Oh, plus there's one point six to one point seven billion with a B in the rainy day fund, so it's well over five billion dollars. And what we what we did. Since I started in the legislature early 2023, so it's, you know, year yeah. and a half, we've had three giant tax cut bills that she has vetoed. And what I mean giant, I mean it is across the board, good for everybody, income tax cuts, property tax cuts, sales tax cuts, and packages that help the little guy. I mean, this last this last package, we went up to you know it used to be about twelve thousand. First twelve thousand, you didn't have to pay income tax on. We took it up to like thirty thousand. It took over a hundred thousand, some estimates two hundred thousand Kansans off of the tax rolls completely. The lower couple hundred thousand, I don't know yeah. the exact number. Mm-hmm. At one point, they thought three hundred, but that was too high. About two hundred thousand Kansans wouldn't even have to pay any income tax that are paying income tax now, and property taxes. I mean we we right now the exemption for property taxes is about the first 42,000 of your property's value. We took it up to $100,000. So if your house is $100,000 assessed, you don't pay the state portion of property tax. Well, that'd be nice. Sales tax on groceries. That it was a smaller thing, but it it was a sizable amount of money, but it was uh taking away sales tax on groceries uh, July 1st rather than next year. So it was basically um, doing it faster than is scheduled to happen. So that's a sales tax thing. So it, 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 was, a, it was a great package. Here's another one, and this is going to kill some of the listeners. We completely eliminated tax on Social Security. And she turned it down. Zero. She turned it down. The stated reason is it's too expensive. As I said, you know, we have billions with a B in the so, state coffers. So by all those cuts that you made, how long would it be before that $5 billion excess money be gone? Or are you no, it, estimating it, that as part no, of the... This was created, and I want to just give kudos to the House Tax Committee Chairman, Adam Smith. He's from Western Kansas. He is the great... He's a great chairman. He's chairman of the tax committee. He's worked tirelessly with the Democrats, the Republicans, making sure everybody's heard, making sure everybody's on board, hearing everybody out, doing compromises. He has He's done yeoman's work for the past two years I've been involved, year and a half. And he made sure, and it's, and it's you know, the statistics are there, the numbers are there. It cost the state about well, we say cost the state. I don't. I don't. This is like I'm trying to figure head. that out too. Okay, it would reduce state collections of taxes about five hundred, four hundred to five hundred million dollars a year. But we're already collecting enough to where we could go through even a moderate recession, and that number would not go to zero. We would not go in the red. 
help, even with a moderate recession. Help me understand how it costs money to not tax me as much. It's the perverted thinking of government bureaucrats. Because isn't the same systems in place to tax me at a higher level than it is at a lower level? The only thing is the number on the piece of paper that my accountant and your accountant and everybody else's accountant uses is just smaller. Yeah, It I, takes more people to get in less money? I say the perverted thinking of government bureaucrats. Maybe that's a little harsh. I'm, I'm just angry <laughs> right now. But, it's okay. I'm angry too about some things. The, the thing is the way... This is something that happens in state government that just frustrates the heck out of me. They always think in terms of what's in the government's best interest. They do not think of the taxpayer. They do not think of the little guy, the working man. It's always, how much is this going to cost the government? In other words, are we going to, is our, our revenue is going to go up $90 million next year instead wow. of $100 million next year? That's a, that's a just, tax cut on the government. I just kind of had an epiphany here. It's almost like the governor and whoever's against this, is treating the state of Kansas like a business, and they fear their profits are going to go down. The, I hate to tell them that they work for us. That is my business, and I don't want it to be profitable. I want it to break even so that I can be profitable. I'm going to be blunt with you. There are people in state government who believe the purpose of the state government is to grow state government. Oh, I believe that 100%. <laughs> Any organization, really, if it doesn't have good leadership, becomes uh self you know uh, survival mm-hmm. is is the is the thing and and you know help us all if if the government doesn't get but two percent increase next year in in tax revenue oh good lord you know they consider that a, a you know uh you know doomsday well i'm not naive even the cost of doing business for the government you know joe biden's helping everybody out with the inflation so I understand, <laughs> yeah. have to have a little bit yeah. of, of raise every year. I'm not stupid here. But it's it's frustrating, and I, I'm sorry if I'm coming across negative. No, I, right. I try to be a positive guy always. This, this but, is where you uh, can come to error. Yeah, there's, there's no time limits. I like this setting here. you got a comfortable <laughs> chair. Comfortable chair. I yeah. have Elvis lemonade. is looking at you over there. <laughs> you know? We've got plenty of KC Chiefs. we got on plenty the of KC yeah. Chiefs. Yancey's yeah. a huge KC oh, fan. Oh, boy. I got you off track. Do you want to do it on your notes, or is that? Oh, that's it. You know, I uh, let me just say, let me back up and say, I considered it a high privilege to be the representative for not only here, but most of Montgomery County, District yeah. 11. And it's an honor. And you've been there. You visited me at the State House. Yeah, it's it, it's just a fantastic yeah, place. It's great. And come back sometime. We, we'll go out to eat again. But it's, uh, it's a high honor. And when we deal with things like trying to get taxpayers' money back to them, I, I consider that kind of a mission. I, I consider that kind of a, you know, I get some energy for that. And that when I, and let me just say this too, because I'll, I'll switch gears a little bit. When I first went to the legislature uh, last year, I really had the idea that I was going to be a tax cut guy and a small government guy. And that was kind of my mission. Mm-hmm. And so that was my mindset. I didn't realize it, but when I got there, because I'm a physician, because, uh, you know, I have healthcare experience, I got kind of pigeonholed in a way, or I got pushed to where anything to do with healthcare and particularly anything to do with children kind of got pushed on me. And I got, I became kind of a, I was able to really, well, I'll just say, I I carried a lot of bills. In other words, I shepherded a lot of bills through the legislature and debated them with the Democrats that had to do with, with the welfare of children. And so uh, that was a surprise to me because I didn't intend to be, you know, the the warrior for the our children. But uh, I guess the big man had other plans for you. Yeah, and 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 I I've kind of recently I, I I just kind of figured out that's that's what I was doing because you know things just kind of shifted under my feet over mm-hmm. time, and I realized I'm gonna I'm gonna own this thing because I really do get jazzed up. You know, the tax cut thing. We I'm one out of 125 votes in the house. I can do very little. I try to build coalitions. We try to work together. I try to influence people. But when it's all said and done, I'm just less than 1% of the votes. Mm-hmm. And but when it's the children, and particularly th- there've been some bills recently and and there, we may have some difference of opinion on this and that's fine, but one of them that I shepherded through and was able to debate uh, 
what I call the woke people, was uh, transgendering the children. Yeah, we're not going to dis- we're not going to disagree on <laughs> okay, <any> I'm, it. <laughs> I'm not sure where you think you're at. But. Well, well, I don't know. He might surprise us. Uh, yeah, I saw that Mal say tongue photo on your wall. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, just right kidding. next to the Che Guevara one, we're, right? Yeah, we're tight. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, that one particularly that just galled me that uh, people feel that. And I'll be blunt. This is this may not be PG rated, but you know, cutting off penises and testicles on boys, cutting off breasts on twelve, fourteen year old girls, giving them opposite sex hormones, uh, blocking their puberty to where they don't have proper brain development. You know, people think mm-hmm. people think sex hormones are just for the sex organs. You know, and it just affects the sex organs. Yeah, maybe some hair growth here and there. That mm-hmm. and you think, well, that's puberty. No, it's it affects every cell in your body. I believe it. It affects when you're born. Uh, from the time you're born, the statistic is there are one million neural connections per second until you reach about age twenty five. That's a, that's a, an unbelievable number, but what that means is the computer of your brain is learning at such a fast pace, and when the, their neurons are, are brain cells, and so when when you when you disrupt that, you disrupt normal puberty, you disrupt these connections that are to take place normally. It affects your brain. You, it affects your bones. You know, cross sex hormones and, and puberty blockers they thin out your bones where you have more fr- fractures. It has devastating effects, let alone making kids uh, sterile, not able to have kids, and, and their descendants don't exist anymore because, mm-hmm. hey, they don't have sex organs anymore. And just the idea, it just galls me that, that you would take a young boy and you would you think you can cut off his genitals and create a vagina between his prostate and his rectum. I don't know. Anybody who studied anatomy, that's basically, there's no space there, Okay. And, but these people were are just with a religious fervor of mutilating our children, of 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 denying them offspring, of of getting them when they're confused when they're gender confused at a young age before they can change their mind they get them started on this pathway to hopelessness that just galls me and the statistics and one of the st- statistics I used on the house floor when they, we were debating this bill eighty five percent of these kids that are gender confused. In a couple of years, they grow out of it. They try mm-hmm. to capture them when they're eight, ten years old before they change their minds, and they tell the parents that the kids are going to commit suicide if they don't try to mutilate their bodies like this. And it just it just got on my nerves. So I, I was very happy to carry that bill. Of course, the governor vetoed it. So in a few days, we're going to have the opportunity to override her veto on that bill. Uh, there are other bills that I, I really felt fervently about. There, there was a bill for child support for pre-born children. In other words, a, a woman is pregnant, and there will be child support for the pregnancy and the doctor bills and the things that she needs. She vetoed that. There was a bill to supply so that's diapers. That's odd. You would have have been on that. Yeah. She, well, let me, uh, let me say a couple more, and I'll put it in perspective. There are, there's a bill to provide formula, diapers, counseling, social services, for, for pregnant women up to age uh, when their children are two years old. She vetoed that. There's a bill that made it a crime to coerce uh, a young girl, 14, 16-year-olds, to have an abortion. Say an old guy gets a girl pregnant, forces her to have an abortion. That would be a crime. She vetoed that. And the more I look at this and the more I see my role as kind of a warrior for children, I'm, I'm taking on that role because I see not not just Governor Kelly, but but it's there's this whole mindset on the other side that tries to pretend to be for the children, for the working man, for the poor, and they are anything but. They are for consolidating political power, for consolidating money so they can get their crony capitalists in mm. there, and they can control them and make bring in woke corporations from all over the world instead of giving the money to the taxpayers that earn the money. And I just see it more and more clearly in my mind once I've been there. I, you know, when I went into the legislature, I was, uh, I, you know, conservative. I'm for low taxes. I'm for small government. But the longer I'm in there, the more I see this is really the battle 
this is a battle almost of good and evil, in my point of view. It seems that way. And so, so I'm I'm happy to be part of the battle, and especially with the children. That I have five grandchildren, and for instance, we were I think we were debating one of the abortion bills, funding abort. Uh, I mean, uh, pregnancy bills, funding pregnancy centers. And in my mind, I'm in I'm in the the uh, state house in the big chamber, you know, and everybody's there. It's kind of a a neat big room. And I'm imagining my five grandkids, the oldest is three, and I'm imagining them playing in the aisle right in front of me. And, and it, it just just gave me more fervor to think these bills that we're doing that are harming children, that there's another one, uh, Justin, that uh, I was able to shepherd through the house. And that is, did you know that, that uh, children can have health care in the state of Kansas without their parents knowing, oh, without yeah. their parents approving? Megan's well informed on that deal. Yeah, I I've worked in emergency rooms for literally forty years, and I never treated a child. I mean, if there's if they're dying, something like that, you take care of them until yeah. the parents can get there. But I've never treated a child without the parents' consent. Are and you referring to the mature minor doctrine? You are up to date. <laughs> that's the one over there that's very up to date. Yeah, so, pretty passionate about that. Yeah. I'm very passionate about that. When I found out that that's going on in the state of Kansas. I was able to author with some other attorney, but I'm not an attorney, but some attorneys, uh, a house bill that requires school clinics. We had to, we initially had it for all clinics, but because of the pushback from odds, unbelievably, the family practice doctors, the AMA doctors, the school nurse association, they're all fighting this. And so we got such pushback that, that there were some things done to where we had to narrow it down to just school clinics because that seemed to be where the biggest problem was to where school clinics will have to um, have to have permission from parents before they, they uh, have treatment. And that includes mental health treatment. That includes, uh, you know, right now, I know of, of, of young teenagers, I mean, like 14 years old, getting hormones, getting getting uh, medical care, getting uh, yeah, right different kinds of counseling. Right right here in this district in Montgomery County, yeah. you know what's going on in California. You know what's yeah. going on in New York. In mm-hmm. New York, they're trying to get rid of parental consent entirely. The Democrats in the state house are trying to get rid of parental consent entirely. And I, that was just not acceptable for me. So we were able to pass that in the house the last day. It was actually like 2 in the morning, so the, you know the last night that we were there, we passed in the House. When we go back, the Senate, the chairman of the Senate Health Committee says that they're going to have it in the Senate and they're going to vote on the Senate and then it'll go to the governor. Now, whether she vetoes it or what, you know, we'll see. What's what's your, sorry. No, you're fine. What's your, you know, being in the House, being at the Capitol, having your finger on the pulse of things there, what's the barometer of your peers there that support and champion these things? Is it, are they ideologues or are they just worried about their own political careers? So they're populists in the way that they want to carry the water for their constituents that support things like that. Or are they actual believers in these, these things that, that you described? Let me just say, I have, I had a fairly low opinion of politicians when I started. <laughs> it's gone up a little bit because I've met so many no people who are willing to lay down what they have to lay down for what they believe in. So it's a mix. And just like anything, it's a mix of people. I would say people from me, from a Republican district, stand up for for conservative values. That's a no-brainer. We have some, and, and you have to think politically. If you get anything done, for instance, if you have, have to override a governor's veto, you need it. 84 votes in the House. And so right now we have exactly 84 Republicans. We can't afford to lose one vote to override a veto. And so when we think about these things, we have to be careful that, you know, if if a Republican, say in Johnson County, who won by 100 votes last time, votes the wrong way and they get beat by a someone who's not conservative, then mm-hmm. we lost a lot. So there is a political calculation. But I think the majority of the people that I see on the and and let me let me put it this I think they're they're voting their conscience. I will have a caveat on the Republican side. We're kind of like herding cats. It's like everybody. I mean, I rarely have anybody tell me how to vote or try to tell me how to vote. We have a Republican whip who who kind of goes around and 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 counts the votes and so forth. 
But nobody tells me, okay, we're all voting for this, you know, or else. All right, fall in line. Yeah, fall in line. On the other side, it's exactly that way. Well, let, so let's get a little bit more specific then. So you described all the things that are more or less Democrat-backed with the hormones and the surgeries and not, you know, no parental consent and whatnot. That's a left issue, let's just face yeah. it, right? As far as they go, is that an ideology-backed thing or is that a populist type thing? That is... And the best way I can put it is it's it's a religious belief for them. They have fervor. It's like you can't you, they're they're you know I'm trying to to guard my words here. It's like you cannot reason with them. They have bought into the fact that you have to mutilate kids if they're gender confused, no matter what the the data, no matter what the studies, no matter what the the science says. You have to do this. It's like a religious belief system. Mm. It's representative activism is basically what it is. Yes. And that, you know, and so, okay, and, and that brings up another problem. So I'm a conservative. I try to, to do things the way I brought, was brought up, Montgomery County, Judeo-Christian values. I run into people who won't even listen to me or who think I'm an idiot because I believe in God or an idiot because I believe in low taxes. How do I, how do I persuade them? How do, and the knee jerk reaction for a lot of conservatives is just blow them off. Just ignore them. You can't reason with them. They, they just use up your time. I've taken another tack and it's been a little bit more labor intensive, but I try to build relationships with it. Not about political issues, but about their families, you know, they go through medical problems. I try to to converse with them. And I have a lot of friends, I would say 10 or 12 at least, that are extremely liberal, would probably never vote with me, but we are good friends on a personal level. And I think that's the best way I can eventually speak into them, maybe break through the, the religious ideology of what they're, they're, they're just suffocated by, and maybe have some influence. And so I went into this legislature thinking I will not have any enemies. No one is my enemy, no matter how much they disagree with me. Now, the other side, they may think of me as an enemy, but I don't, I see everyone as my friend. I try to not be naive, but I just want to keep those connections open. I want to be able to connect even with people that are opposite of me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, you know, from my upbringing, from my Christian worldview, I think that's the best way to go. Sure. Well, because I think sometimes in politics, people forget about the human level of things, right? And you just kind of yeah. paint with a broad stroke. Well, those damn politicians, we don't oh, trust yeah. any of them, you I know? know. Or, I know. You, you know, you have to factor in that human element. And like you said, reaching across the aisle within that human element and, and being able to have rapport with people. And Yeah, I'll have, I'll have people who literally call me, I've, I've had legislators call me a murderer, have called me a hater of children, have called me... So vicious, backwards. vicious names. <laughs> so backwards. But when Gaslight. it's all said and done, you know, and yep. you might see that in a headline somewhere. So you know, some some awkward photo with some legislator. But you know, and an hour later, you're talking to him. I'm giving him a cookie in the chair, you know, in the committee meeting, or you know, and it's a human level. And so there is, and that's that's part of the joy of being in the legislature, is the interaction with other people. There, almost every, you know, everybody in the legislature. Has has gone through a process of of uh, kind of doing, you know, going against all odds and getting elected and talking to people, and so it's a special kind of people in general that that gets into the legislature, I think. And just being among them and talking with them and getting to know them, it's kind of like we're all in the same boat a lot of times. Even even if we're on opposite sides, we're discussing the same issues and we're trying to reach common ground on the same issues. And so so the, you build up kind of a almost a band of brothers kind of attitude with, especially with my Republican colleagues. But, but it, it's very rewarding to have that kind of relationship develop in the legislature. And that, that was unexpected to me. I expected it to be, you know, even when we're, we're, we're through for the evening, we go to dinner, we're still throwing, you know, we go to dinner and we're food fight with the Democrats or whatever, <laughs> you know, just dug in. It's not like that. It, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's hard to describe, but it's a very special place, and I'm just very grateful to be there. How do you respond when you get people who maybe are saying those kinds of things about you? Like, does that come up in session where you have to have a response, like a rebuttal to 
to their to their comments or does it come in the newspapers and the the media later where you you know you have to address it well a little bit more publicly two two answers to that one is the media is not accurate let me just put it that way <laughs> so sure. what you said they, they, they want to have a they have a story to sell okay the yeah. media's purpose is to sell right. media and the more controversial the more I wish we could get people to understand yeah. that. Man. Yeah. yeah. And the business. average person, you know, and I knew that going into it, but now I really, really know it because yeah. I've seen people, absolute lies, forgive me, in the newspaper about me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I try to talk with reporters and give them information, I offer them information, I offer them resources, and they lie about me that I'm, I'm stonewalling and all this. I just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, makes you ang- it makes me angry. Uh-huh. Well, I'll admit it. I'm not trying to steal any of your thunder, but after your last visit, you know that I faced some stuff that I'm not going to get into here, but they, <laughs> they, they went after us. Yeah. Yep. about that. And you know, the media is in the, in the business of selling media. And I think, I wish people, you know, like Megan said, I wish people understood that. But to also answer your question, you know, uh, well, uh, when some, sometimes in the heat of the moment, I'm thinking particularly one day when a, a woman s- stood up on the other side we were. It was last year. We were debating the transgendering the children bill, and mm-hmm. they were saying we're killing trans children because they're going to all commit suicide now, which is a complete. It's been disproven. It's a lie. But mm. she was emotional. She stood up. She had like some transgender shirt on, and she she pointed over at me and the other Republicans over there, as she says, "You're murderers. You're killing children, and so forth." And it. And my initial reaction to that was kind of like almost a snicker. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you almost have to put it in perspective of of uh, they're not really attacking. I, okay, let me put it this way, and I'm I'm coming at this kind of a forgive me. I'm gonna I'm gonna digress into a little Christianity here, but I feel like the Lord has called me to do some of this, and for how long I don't know. But when people attack me for and they're attacking on the basis of mutilating children, of aborting babies. Uh, last year, it was actually infanticide mm-hmm. with uh, mm-hmm. uh, babies surviving abortion. Yeah. When they're attacking me for these things, I, I try to keep it in perspective. They're not really attacking me. They're attacking my worldview. They're attacking God, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I try to not take offense. And one of the, one of the things that, that also brings up when I first entered politics, I thought I don't have thick skin. I, my, th- you know, somebody's going to call me a bad name. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be freaked out and they're gonna I, take I, a picture I of me. And my my career's over, you know. But you just have to freak out one time and they take a picture and you know you, your political career's <laughs> over. Here's a so, couple of pictures. This guy, kind of funny. So I thought, yeah. oh, I don't know if I could do this because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something or do something that besmirks my reputation, you know. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, I just feel like the Lord has been gracious to me in the sense, unexpectedly, I have thick skin, and I, I didn't know I had, because uh, uh, people have have done, well, you know, even even terrorist threats and mailing the white powder and letters and, you know, trying yeah. to bully us and, and calling us murderers. I've had people threaten to kill my wife and children and... It's just ridiculous. It's just... Hmm. But I thought I thought I wouldn't be able to... I thought, you know... People, I don't know how much of this I can take. Then people need to have a coffee and one of those <laughs> cookies and just chill out. Yeah, we'll get you some decaf at Hershey's. Yeah, just, yeah. just chill out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the Lord's been good, and uh, I don't know why, but it seems like God shined on me in a sense that I've been able to uh, keep my cool. I've been. I pray every day that I'll I'll be able to have wisdom and that I'll be level-headed and not emotional. Mm-hmm. And so, so far, so good. I don't know how long it'll last, <laughs> but so far, so good. I feel like um, I've been very blessed to be um, part of the process. I've even had a lot of people comment to me, like, how did you, how did you take it when they were up there, you know, uh, besmirching you or what, whatever term is. And it, it's just, it doesn't even bother me really in the, in the heat of the battle because I know they're really fighting what I stand for. They're fighting... And I believe they're fighting God and God's created order and the way God created things, male and female, et cetera, et cetera. But I try to not take it personal. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the bottom line. 
I have some real thoughts on this, all the transgender stuff. And uh, these guys know that I have a whole wormhole about this, but I really have this thought that it's a long game of population control of, you know, she's brought this up oversight. It's a, I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but this is one that I'm like, it makes sense to me that abortions are so encouraged and, I don't say encouraged, but you know what I mean. Like they're offered out there, like it's a, as a way of Solving dealing with right pregnancy, and and the transgender issues with with the children. I it just makes sense to me, but I'm not trying to put you on the spot with it. I'm just no, sharing my I'm, own personal perspective of like I can't understand why people are on board with some of this stuff. Let me. Just, so many uh, things don't make sense. Yeah. You know, or that, that do make sense. Like, I can see your point of view. I can see your side of things. And then there are things where I'm just like, I do not see your side. <laughs> I do not see your side on this. Well, there's something about the human DNA or something, because it. I'm thinking back about 2015, I think it was, my son, Joseph, and I went over to Israel. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend going over there right now, but... But we went over there because we wanted to see some of the sites. I, you know, we'd never yeah. been there, and we thought, well, that'd be cool. And it was the most fantastic trip. But one of the things that stuck out in my mind was we went to this town. I believe it was Bethsaida, which is near the Sea of Galilee. And there's a ruin there that they're excavating. And there's an altar to Baal from maybe, I don't know, 3,000 years ago, 4,000 wow. years ago. And... And we were just standing there, and we were thinking, what what went on this altar? And we, we kind of looked it up, but but there was child sacrifice. Baal was basically, there's Molech and all these other ancient, uh, I don't know, even know which, uh, which if it was Palestine, uh, not Palestinian, but uh, Philistine or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But they would worship Baal by sacrificing uh, particularly infants and children. And one of the ways was they had like a bronze bull. A bale is represented as a bull uh, pictorially a lot of times. And it was hollow, and they would put the baby in there and then build a fire underneath, and the screams of the baby as as they were dying would resonate out of the mouth of the bull, and they would say that's bale speaking and so forth. So there's something, something evil, I will say, that we're sort of born with in our humanness and that needs salvation, I believe. But that's played out all the way through history. The Romans used to live, leave babies mm-hmm. aside to die on a hillside, basically, to starve and die from the elements. So when we come today to abortion and the religious fervor on some of this stuff, I, I know it's not something we can reason a lot of times it's something that's almost innate in human beings that we don't like to talk about, but there's something about it that has been historically for thousands of years recurring. And so we try to, I try to keep that in perspective. Also, this is not like a, a short term battle that we're with. This is we're we're dealing with long-term eternal effects. Yeah. And uh, we try to fight the battle at the moment, knowing that there's a larger context and, People really have a religious type fervor, a belief system at least, uh, about that stuff. And it's it's not, as you said, you can't figure it out. You can't reason with it. It's just innate. And knowing that they feel the same way about me. They don't get my point of view, my perspective. Exactly, exactly. Well, there's something to be said too about justifying your own kind of violence too. Somebody literally standing up, pointing at you, calling you a murderer when in of themselves well, probably by their own affiliation or like hey kill it before it even comes out of the womb and then they're calling you a murderer for blaming you for suicide there's a lot of projection sure I mean, psychological yeah. absolute gaslighting yeah. Yeah. you know yeah and, and almost you know some of the people that are on the other side that it, that make uh wild accusations you can almost guarantee <laughs> that they're going to end up doing exactly what they're saying and i don't know why i heard rush limbaugh say this about 10 years ago he said if you want to know what the liberals are up to just see what they're accusing the conservatives of and <laughs> so to fit them, and i thought it? well that that's kind of that's kind of weird but uh more times than not you know the things that that, that uh, conservative people are accused of are the the very things that uh, end up being on the other side yeah so you were sharing before we started that 
you go back in Friday morning right. for we, some stuff. Yeah, for, for those who don't understand, you know, we don't meet every day. Being a state legislature is uh, a very part-time job, even though it's, it's, even when you're off, sometimes it's a full-time job. But we meet only 90 days, so it's three months, basically, Janu- first part of January to the end of April, typically, there's a, there's a little break in there. We had a couple weeks break after the end of the session about two weeks ago, and we're going back tomorrow and Friday. Actually, I'll go early Friday morning to uh, start what we call the override session, which is we meet for however long it takes to go over the bills that Governor Kelly has vetoed. Like all of them? All of them get yeah. talked about again? All of them get mm-hmm. talked about. Some of them... We, you know, you have to think politically, you know, if we don't have enough votes to, to override a veto, it's not worth maybe the effort. Mm-hmm. Others, it is worth the effort. And so the, the House leadership, which is per- particularly the Speaker of the House, Speaker Pro Tem, Majority Leader, they get together and they say, okay, these are the 10, 12 bills that we're going to take a vote on and see if we can get those 84 votes. And then in the Senate, I'm in the House of Representatives, the other end of the hall is the Senate. They also need two-thirds majority to override a veto, which for them, they have 40 members, so they need 27 votes. If we if we get 84 and the Senate gets 27, we can make the bill law without the governor's signature. And another way, and, and actually this happened about a week ago, another way for a bill to become law is if we pass it in the House, the Senate passes it in the Senate, the governor doesn't veto it, but she doesn't sign it, she just ignores it in about 10 days I believe it's a 10-day limit. It automatically comes off. That that was a bill. And this is another one with the children, okay? Let me just bring up the children. This was a bill last week where it was going to provide that pornography websites in the state of Kansas have age verification. And I know it's not 100%. You know, there's a kids can go around on the Internet better than I can, and there, some of them are going to get around age verification. I understand that. But... The stat- statistics are between age 10 and age 13, uh, kids are exposed to the Internet almost always accidentally by stumbling into something. And so this at least puts up one guard wall. And so we had uh, age verification for pornographic websites, and uh, she wouldn't sign that bill. But she knew, my opinion, she knew that it wasn't politically feasible for her not to let it pass, so she let it pass without her signature. One of those things is better off than not. Uh, she wasn't going to win either way there, so just don't say anything about it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you know you pick your pick your battles. Pick your battles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the hill she wanted to die on, I guess. <laughs> no, no. So politics at play with the one point five billion dollar tax cut bill thing. You know, the uh, I read association or Associated Press article that said that the governor immediately snapped back with a one point three billion dollar proposal in which um, House Majority Leader said she's not serious about tax cuts if she's, you know, no. coming back with that response. So she did a $3 billion swing, basically? So the the, the proposal yeah. for, the, for the House bill was $1.5 billion total. Over she three, vetoed yeah. over three years. Over three years. Yeah. She vetoed that and came back with it needs to be $1.3 billion for her to sign it. So from $1.5 billion in tax cuts, she's proposing $1.3 billion in tax cuts before she'll sign it. Yeah. Just it, to be petty? Like, I, again, I know you I, can't I, give us hard motivation. It's hard but, to get mm. into the minds of people, but yeah. there, there is a, it appears that just consolidating power with government, consolidating resources with government is the mindset rather than individual freedom, people keeping their money, and that's more my mindset. Has anybody ever told you, Ron, please go to Topeka and raise my taxes? <laughs> Are you saying that? Yeah, I'm saying no, that. He's not, ever, he is not saying that. I'll speak for said, him. I'm going to raise Justin Please Martin's go there. I'm going to veto taxes. him right now. I no, mean, that taxes is not around here are already enough as it is. And I just can't imagine anybody. I mean, I don't understand. How can people support politicians that don't want to at least stop your spending from going up? At the very least. Like, I don't get it. Some of it, you know, it's hard to get in people's minds, but some of it is we're, we're, you know, I'm an old guy now, and I've seen things change over decades, and it seems like people now want more from the government. They they expect the government to solve their problems. 
if there's a problem with this or that, oh, let's get the government to solve it. And that just... Well, we got that going on right here in town. Yeah, it, it and it's everywhere. It, it used to be, I mean, when I was young, I was born in 1960. I can remember when people went to churches and they would, you know, the poor, they would take care of the poor. Almost every hospital system you look at was started as a as a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, denomination, yeah. a Catholic hospital of some kind, a Baptist hospital, Methodist hospital. Yale, Harvard, educational institutions were started as Christian training. The, the goal of Yale and Harvard were to train Christian missionaries really? to go overseas and evangelize. Harvard was thought to be coming too liberal, and so Yale started to be more conservative. And now look at them, yeah. you know. Yeah. So a lot of the institutions we look at, whether it's healthcare, education, a lot of the uh, child welfare things that used to be centered around local people, local organizations, uh, churches, and just community people, people helping other people in the community. Now we we don't want that for some reason don't don't have that connection we want to be connected to the government as the provider of a lot of these things and i think that's really to our detriment uh, because you know i i think the people let's say you're you are you're hungry you need a home you're a needy person if if someone in Topeka or in Washington DC sends you a check there's a completely different dynamic than if you went to people that you know and they looked at you and see, well, is this guy really worthy of, of having some charity? Mm. And they have they speak into your life, they are more personable, and there's more connectivity. So I really think, and, and maybe this is too philosophical, but I think the local uh, organizations and uh, groups and churches particularly should be more involved in benevolence and in helping those in need and not so much just getting a check from Washington because that just dehumanizes us, I think. Charity by grace, not by force. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That should be a website. (laughs) (laughs) So I was kind of scrolling down through the House bills uh, that got either signed or vetoed, and I saw one that was kind of off, you know, off topic of everything that we've been talking about, and I was just going to get your opinion on if it was a reaction to the current like social climate that we're seeing it's it's a it was a racketeering bill so it was actually house bill 2144 are you familiar uh, with this at all it was so i'll read the short title so okay. um senate substitute for house bill 2144 by committee on judiciary Creating the crimes of, well, here was another thing that was kind of odd. Creating the crimes of encouraging suicide and organized retail crime. So those things were kind of lumped together, which I thought was odd. Um, Providing criminal penalties for violation thereof, including organized retail crime and the definition of racketeering activity under the Kansas Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization Act and authorizing the attorney general to prosecute specified crimes that are part of an alleged course of criminal conduct that occurred in two or more counties. So we've obviously seen in bigger cities these, you know, large scale mobs, smashing grabs, people literally running out of retail stores with armloads. This seems like kind of a crackdown on that sort of thing. Um, and then also the, the suicide part was well, kind of odd. It was a crackdown of if you are found to have encouraged someone online or in person or yeah. whatnot, if you were on record of, you know, suggesting that someone take that act, that you were going to, you know, be prosecuted a little yeah. bit more harshly than you would otherwise. Yeah. What happens, and let, I'll let you know just some of the the uh, underbelly of politics here, toward the end of the session, you have a bunch of disparate bills, different subjects. And you're trying to get some of them passed. Oh, I'm not me, but the leadership is trying to get some of them passed. They start bundling them together. And so for instance, the bill I talked about that had these parents having consent for, for treatment of the children, it's, but the only way we got it to vote in the house was to bundle it with three other bills that involve rural emergency hospitals and different things. So this bill you're talking about, it sounds odd because they bundled, the bills. And some, sometimes the reason for that is just 
a dirty secret in politics is you might have seven bills that are like sweet and you want them and there's one real stinker in there mm -hmm. and you so you're faced you you can't amend it you can't change it you can just vote yes or no and so you're on that last day and you're thinking if I vote yes for the seven bills that I like, I get this one stinker. If I vote no, I lose the seven bills. And so toward the end of the session, we get in this dilemma of do we vote for this bundle or not? And I don't like it. And I, I wish we would change our rules to where we don't bundle like that. But that's a whole other issue. But this bill you're talking about has two major things. And one is uh, coercing suicide. That springs from a particular case where a young, a young boy, I believe, young man, I believe he was about 16, 17, was uh, ridiculed and bullied to the point uh, that he took his own life. And, you know, and, and that's a, it's an odd time we live in where people online, maybe even people you don't know, can, can influence you mm -hmm. like this. But uh, that bill, that part of that bill was in response, particularly to that one case, but there are also several people testified in committee where they're, Friends and loved ones committed suicide after being bullied, ridiculed, demeaned over a period of time. And so we had that, that was an interesting bill because we had to find a balance between, you know, things like freedom of speech, et cetera, et cetera, versus, you know, co coercing or, or causing someone to commit suicide. And so th I think that bill is a good compromise. And I hope it does. If it saves one person, I, I, person's life. I, I think it's good. I don't think it will be abused in the court system to go against uh, uh, people, but I, I believe it could save some, especially some teenagers' lives, so I'm supportive of that. But the other part of that bill that's bundled with is, uh, like you said, you've seen in San Francisco, they go into a jewelry store or whatever, and they smash and grab and and these these are organized crimes. These are a hundred people, and they all yep. they're all on their apps on their phone, and they wear masks, and and they all go in there, and 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 the and the employees, and this is what's bad in California. I think the employees are just all instructed to just let them take, you know, open the door for them, you know, let them, you know, help them out because they don't want the employees, of course, to be injured. Right. But it's a sad, sad state of affairs. So, it's an organized crime. And so it's treated as an organized crime. The Democrats, uh, Democratic uh, legislators in the Kansas House were opposed to that because they have a really bad taste in their mouth about the attorney general. And they don't want to give any power whatsoever to the attorney general that he doesn't already have, uh, Chris Kobach. And I like Chris Kobach, and, and uh, I appreciate what he stands for. But uh, on the Democratic side, anything that, that reinforces the attorney general's office to do anything, they're pretty much going to have a knee jerk to vote against it. And so I don't, I don't remember how that bill turned out. There, there are actually hundreds of bills, but that particular one, that that's kind of how it was bundled in the background behind between the two parts of it. It's kind of an odd thing. It's like a platypus, you know, you think, you see a platypus, you think, how did that come about? You sure. Hmm. That's funny. You guys got anything else? Oh yeah, I was gonna. I was asking. Me and Justin were talking about you the other day, and and you had mentioned earlier about you didn't. You know, you're like, oh, as far as this goes, whatever. I was just curious about your aspirations. Like, are you you um, are obviously an inspired man. So, is that where your political career takes you, or do you even consider yourself having a political career? And and are you waiting to be inspired for perhaps the next step? Well, you know. What I found is about everybody in the House of Representatives think they can be a senator, and everybody in the Senate thinks they can be governor. <laughs> you know, it's always an upward. Everybody's looking up. It seems like for me, I don't even think of myself as a politician. I don't think I am a politician. I have to admit it, but I don't feel that way. I, I try to be a statesman. I try to to, and and I appreciate the opportunities I've had in the House floor to to debate these people. But I want to be able to stand up for what I believe in and study and and have a, a rational argument and try to, 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 you know, stand up for what I believe in. And I see what I'm doing not as politics. I see it as just helping people, helping people's lives to be a little better, helping my grandchildren perhaps to not have as much tyranny or whatever that may be coming around the corner. And so I, I spent... 
you know, 30 something years as a doctor, I spent 40 something years total in emergency rooms and it was all for helping people, helping people's problems, solving people's problems. I see being in the legislature is just an extension of that. I, I use different tools. I don't prescribe medicine, but I, I, I help write laws. I, I help create coalitions of people to pass things. And so it's all about just helping people. And I don't have any particular aspirations, I don't think. Well, I, you know, well, I will, I will admit one thing. When I heard Jake Letourney was retiring from Congress, <laughs> yeah. for, for about four hours, I was thinking, man, I wonder if I could run for that. Then I thought, I don't want to go to Washington, D.C. <laughs> there's no way. So, uh, so uh, you know, you always think, well, maybe there's a higher rung or whatever, but I have no, no plans for anything. I, I, I would like to win my next election oh, in August, sure. which sure. is uh, get, go back to the House of Representatives in, in, in Topeka. But other than that, uh, and even if I lose, uh, I don't think I'm going to be that sad. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. We're going to try and develop economics in, in Coffeyville. We're going to try to help people in the medical field, try to help people, you know, in some of the civic groups that I'm part of. So it, even if I lose the election, I don't think it would be much of a speed bump in, in what I feel called to do. Sure. Is there going to be anybody you heard running against you? I anticipate there will be somebody run against me. Uh, so far, I checked the website two or three days ago and there weren't, no one was filed yet. Uh, they have until just a heads up for all those who want to run against me. Uh, <laughs> probably, nice. uh, probably about the second or third of June you have it to file. And, uh, and then the primary election will be early August and the general election will be the big election in November where mm-hmm. Trump, Biden, and all that's mm-hmm. going on. That ought to be a hairy situation. That'll have a popcorn ready. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know what's going to happen there, man. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have them back for that. That is, uh, yeah, that's some neat stuff. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming in. And people can get a hold of you like Ron Bryce for Kansas, right? On Facebook? Yeah, the best way is Ron Bryce for Kansas, R O N B R Y C E for Kansas. Uh, and I'll give you my phone number. You can text me. Don't call, but text if you would. 620 252 9881. Happy to try and help out. I, I enjoy trying to help constituents. Uh, there are a lot of people that are run into bureaucracy, you know, and trouble getting through to state agencies. And, and it's always rewarding for me. It's kind of like being an emergency room doctor. I'm just solving people's problems, trying to help them. So I, I enjoy that part of it too. So feel free, especially on Facebook and, and uh, follow me on Facebook. Cause I do post occasionally, sometimes pretty frequently, some live video updates from the state Capitol, from the rotunda of the Capitol, talk about bills we debated that day and so you can kind of keep up a little bit almost like a man on the scene thing Mm -hmm. so feel free to do that all right thank you very much for coming in i guess we'll see you probably before the election i hope i hope so all right all right guys go over to wkopodcast.com and uh check out what we got going over there and help out if you can and we're getting ready to start another one here in a few minutes see you later